This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Don't Worry, Darling. Darling? Who are you calling Darling? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi. Aaron, I've got a, I've got a nice cocktail in my hand. Do you have one? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a very, very dry, very virgin martini. Oh, okay, uh, all right. So it's basically Aaron. water. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be a most supportive for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 508, 508. Oh, man. Perfect desert weather. It's, uh, it's my, that's my birthday numbers right there. 508? May 8th. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and uh, this week we are talking Don't Worry, Darling, the uh, newest film from director Olivia Wilde. Uh, some people might have heard about this one in the news lately. Uh, yeah, well, that's the plan for this t- this this episode. And uh, joining us to discuss Don't Worry, Darling, we have uh, from DrPopcorn.net. He was the first to discover that if you make an invisible omelet, you have to crack some empty eggs. It's Saxon Whitehead. Hey, what's up? Saxon, <laughs> making those invisible omelets. <laughs> making so many invisible omelets. <laughs> Saxon, great to have you here. Good to have I, you. Uh, new guest. I, having yeah. a new guest, always fun. <laughs> Uh, especially when it's uh, at a moment's notice. Uh, and I will, I will, I will add to that by saying we originally wanted to have a friend of the show, Philip Price, on on this week's episode. And, uh, Andy. It, and it's been a long time since he's been on because he just has so many things going on, and we try to make it work a lot. And just sometimes the things just don't check out. This week he was all amped. He was like, "Yes, guys, I'm here. I'm a huge Harry Styles fan." His words: "I can't wait. To talk about. Don't worry, darling." I, I'm gonna. I have a time for you guys. We're gonna make this happen. Nothing can get in the way of this. Nothing's gonna upset this plan of action. It's definitely gonna be this week. It didn't happen. He screwed up. <laughs> he's, he's not here. He didn't screw up. <laughs> he's it's, fine. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a harmless foul. That's what took <laughs> yeah, place. We're gonna have him back again soon. But but we will for sure. But fortunately. Fortunately, Philip was kind enough to recruit someone to join us for this week's episode anyway, so we wouldn't just be Abe and I talking about how much we have very little interest in Harry Styles. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, but so now, now we have a, a friend of initial reaction, Saxon Whitehead, and now a friend of our show. So, oh, yeah. So, so Saxon, th- thanks for being here with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The world just got a little nicer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's get into things here. First up, some show notes. Uh, new commentary track. We literally just posted this. It is our commentary track for the month for Disney's Pinocchio, the original 1940 Ooh. animated classic. Abe and I, along with Bianchi, recently discussed the live action from film from uh, Bobby Z, of course, and uh, <laughs> we were we were we were not exactly taken by that film, but. Yeah. Uh, myself and Yancey and Brandon and uh, David. Yeah, we all joined together to talk about the original Pinocchio, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, that's up on iTunes now, you can or anywhere you can find your show. But if you go on iTunes, you not only can find that commentary track, but you can also leave us a rating and review. If you search for out now, Theron and Abe, you can be like, he was right. He wasn't lying about the commentary. It's right there. But then you can also click the reviews and review ratings tab and you can give us some stars. Why would we lie about there being a review of a movie? <laughs> Some people like to verify things in person. Oh, know? okay. All right, yeah, yeah. 
I guess that makes sense. It's like it's like their own personal Google Authenticator app. That's that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to hear it changes every minute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it does because we release so many episodes. Dave, you see these perfect segues this yeah. week. <laughs> I just keep setting them up. You just keep knocking them down. Speaking of knocking them down, you can knock down a rating on iTunes and help us above the old iTunes charts. Yeah, please uh, inform us of your highest bowling score. Man, we are good at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Speaking of additional bonus episodes, such as our commentary tracks, we do have our upcoming horror-themed bonus episodes coming for the month of October, so stay tuned for those. We plan to start recording those very soon, and they should be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much, young man. I think like a default phrase here. <laughs> Sometimes you go into auto mode. One water, please. That'll be $2. Thank you so much in advance. Um, $2. Um, okay. $2 for water? <laughs> What is this? This is crazy. What is this? A concert in the park? Um, <laughs> all right, let's. We're not let's, barefoot. Let's. <laughs> Thanks, Neil Simon. Um, okay, let's uh, move on. <laughs> let's get to some out now. Peace. Trademark. Each week now, now we have one movie week to talk about. Kim. I was happy with that. I think we're that feeding off good. good energy, getting yeah. getting into this. It was good. Uh, it's really good. setting up Saxon for a win here. So let's let's start. Oh, with yeah. him. Saxon, <laughs> what are, what other movies have you seen recently? All right. So um, last week, um, I find I got to catch up with uh, Pearl, um, the oh. new Ty West movie. Finally got to see it. Um, really dug it. Um, I don't know if y'all have got to catch up with that one yet. Did you see? Were you a fan of X? I did, yeah. I liked X, and this one I felt was much more complete and was a little more um, just kind of a little more straightforward. And of course, it just lets Mia Goth just really do her thing. So, mm-hmm. really dug it. The, um, you know, Ty-, Ty West, obviously, his whole a lot, part of his thing is the way he kind of approximates the style of things that he's referencing, right? Where you have like his first film with the house of the devil, where it's very seventies. Yeah. He's, X he's is obviously good very, aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you have Pearl now, which is set in like, what, what, 19, like 1919, something like that. Yeah. 1918. I think. 1918. Yeah. Like right at the end of the world, but it's has this like technicolor feel to it. And I, I thought yeah. that's such an interesting like turn as yeah. far as, you know, doing the gritty thing versus like, well, if I'm making a movie this far back, I'm, I have to make it look this way. And I, yeah, that that's certainly among other aspects of what he's doing with his films. I think that's certainly one of the, one of the most compelling, compelling factors. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. No, like, and like the te- the use of technicolor just really leads to like this uneasiness with like all of just what we are seeing on screen. Mm-hmm. It just really adds to that. Just really, um, tense feeling that he's going for that tense vibe so really into that definitely heard that Mia Goff has uh had the that that monologue I guess that people are really oh yeah uh, pleased about so I've read the spoilers for X but you know uh, I might <laughs> read the spoilers for this one too yeah between this and resurrection it seems like a good year for horror monologues? giving giant monologues <laughs> <Yeah>. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Sex Jackson? Uh, let's see. Um, saw that. Um, I mean, other than obviously, don't worry, darling. That's pretty much it. Um, like the only thing I could think of that I watched was I ended up watching Airplane Two, the sequel, randomly, just on a whim. Uh-huh. Um, not a fan of that one. Um, just not, 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 not great. 
yeah, fair assessment. Yeah, uh, that's all you can really say about that. Yeah. Well, Abe, how about you? What have you seen recently? It has been a busy week. Oh wow! I haven't. Yeah, I haven't really been able to catch up on a lot. But guess what was in the background as I was doing some work this week? A goofy movie. <laughs> oh yeah. A goofy movie is. Uh, it's got one of the the best uh, musical soundtracks in the '90s. Uh, everybody here has seen it, I'm sure. It oh, is yeah. a movie where you just question, how did Goofy have a wife, and why is his son so cool? And why would you Polly question Sh- this? <laughs> and then Polly Shore shows up, building Leaning Tower of Jesus. It is, uh, it is such a a fun little romp, and I I enjoy a lot of uh, like I guess small little nuances of it, whether that's like the nun singing on the highway, or just like the little girl. <laughs> clapping along at the animatronic show in the south i i assume that you're like watching this in the background doing you know very concentrated work that's very important <laughs> but then you can't help it but you get you get to um you get to eye to eye and you're oh. like, I, have to, I have to do the perfect cast along with the movie <laughs> the perfect cast is like the hardest thing to to learn because i can't really do a, a frog toad touch but it is one of the things you've described it exactly correctly where i will stop work and i'll just start dancing uh, and doing uh, what uh, Roxanne and her buddy do at home with like the arm thing. <laughs> Good. It's great. That's how, yeah. That's how it should be. Indeed. That was it. Okay. Unless you want to talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hashtag I, I, Labor Cup. <laughs> well, I've seen a few things I can get into real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, first up is Hocus Pocus 2. Oh. This is the sequel to what 93's hocus pocus yeah a movie that i am not the biggest fan of i don't massively dislike it or anything it's just like it's like okay yeah that movie exists yeah. um so the sequels come out now or it's coming out on disney plus at the end of this week mm-hmm. um i it's weird to like i don't know what to like really say about this because it's it, it's a movie <laughs> uh-huh. um it does the like i assume like the people because it's come to become such a kind of a family cult classic at this point i imagine the people that have been wanting this or look forward to seeing hocus pocus 2 are probably going to get what they want out of it i mean it has uh bet midler sarah sarah jessica parker and kathy kathy to jimmy just being these people again there's yeah. nothing it's not breaking much new ground it's just a riff on the same basic plots and they say lines that are familiar i i can't say that i would say the movie's good you know as far as like they reference really the harmless. movie a lot yeah it well that's the thing it's it is harmless like it's yeah. not it's a disney plus release of hocus pocus 2 it's like i there's nothing to really rant about here it's just like all right it exists and i hope that the people that you know really like hocus pocus enjoy this one i guess yeah i have no reason to you know be spiteful about it it's like okay there there you go so um but yeah so that that's coming was that, up was that on disney plus disney plus yes okay um i also watched uh, i've watched a couple more things but I'll, I'll point out um on apple i watched the documentary sydney regarding actor sydney poitier mm-hmm. um, a film that was in production before sydney poitier passed away uh, meaning that he has a lot of presence in this um from a recent standpoint he did a lot of interviews uh, mm-hmm. facing the camera um, along with many other, you know, notable black stars, you have Denzel in there. I think Oprah Winfrey's a producer on this, but she's also talking a lot in here. Halle Berry's in here. Um, you know, black actors that have won Oscars essentially, yeah. among other, among other people. Um, 
I, I'd like to say that this is like a really great doc as far as encompassing Sidney Poitier's life, but ultimately it's just kind of shallow, which is that a shame. It, yeah. Because I think he he was someone that was very press shy. He didn't do a lot of like interview. It's very rare for him to like give like talk show interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually interesting. I just watched Buck and Preacher, his directorial debut, which was a Western with him and Harry Belafonte. And on that criterion, um, the, you have the whole episode of the Dick Cavett show with him and Harry Belafonte, which is something that just never happens. But because he was best friends with Harry Belafonte, he's like, okay, fine, I'll be on the show with you. Like, so you get and you get a lot of segments of that interview in this documentary. And it would have been neat to see this doc explore more of him because he's human. He's certainly had a life, but it really just kind of goes over like, you know, where he came from and his breakthroughs and what have you, which is nice to see. And it's certainly well, you know, put together and whatnot as far as a almost a hagiography. But that's, you know, that that's not a lot to do uh, as far as making it more in depth. So it's like. For a one-time watch, it's fine, yeah. but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in expecting to like learn a whole lot more about Sidney Poitier, which is where, a shame. Where do you see this? It was on Apple. It's on Apple TV. Yeah, Apple. Plus. That, yeah. That's actually a cover, kind of a bummer too. Then, but uh, yeah. I was actually just thinking about documentaries this this past week because there's going to be a Redeem Team documentary uh, about the Olympics uh, when Kobe played, um, mm-hmm. and the USA won gold again. And I was just thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm a fan of these types of documentaries where it feels like it's going to be shallow. Like we, we kind of know what the outcome is going to be with the, uh, the Olympics, but at the same time, like what else are we going to learn here? It feels like it's actually just a series of videos and photos that are just going to tell me how motivated these guys were to win this. But, you know, you think of something like that versus um, I was thinking about um, what's the Hulu documentary about like the, the, uh, the skater kids and they're just growing up. Oh, mining the gap yeah yeah mining the gap and i was like that's where i was like holy crap like this is how documentary film can like change your life kind of thing or it's like i didn't know things about this or that and i'm kind of just a bummer or i come i guess i'm just kind of bummed about some of the netflix documentaries that have come out recently and i haven't really seen a whole lot of the netflix uh documentaries but they just seem like what you were just describing there which is almost like wikipedia entries yeah you kind of you hope there's an angle or something to kind of Right. bring things out but like this one for sydney didn't really have that and i mean i i i hope that the what's it called redeeming I, I i don't know what the actual name of the documentary is but it's going to be about the redeem team it's about the redeem okay i mean i i hope it just has yeah some kind of angle that makes it feel unique or special yeah. beyond just or something that you just zone. yeah exactly something you can really take away from it but there's, there's certainly ways to do there's ways to you know there's plenty of documentaries that to go over topics that are well you know researched and right known about that you can still make interesting in some way but. of course yeah i mean documentary film is even if, even the shorts that you can see on you know the new york times uh opinion pages or whatever the case is 12 15 minutes some of those are excellent mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is Avatar. <laughs> okay. Um, this Oops. is a movie that uh, it made a few bucks at the box office. Um, uh-huh. I, you know, that movie is what, 2009 at this point. We're finally getting the sequel. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Avatar in a minute. I think mean, it's been a few years. Certainly uh-huh. not, you know, in IMAX since when it was out. Uh, like the movie, everything it does it does so well in a way that puts just all the blockbusters that have come since for the most part there's some exceptions to shame i mean it's a testament to how good james cameron is where he made a movie this great and it's not even one of his best movies (laughs) so (laughs) but like yeah the i will say like the 
it's been upgraded to like you know 4k hdr presentation and it has <laughs> hfr the high frame rate inserted into a number of sequences something, oh, that, interesting. something that i'm not a huge fan of but it it never looked cooler than it does in avatar <laughs> because james cameron knows <laughs> what the hell he's doing so it's yeah, sure you know i don't it's not like I need to convince someone to see Avatar or like make them feel a different way about it. Like it has its own legacy and, you know, if you like it, you like it, but it's like, you know, movies like this don't become the biggest movie of all time because they're not liked by somebody. (laughs) I know there's been a lot of talk about like, you know, what it doesn't do. Right. But it's like, these things feel so minor compared to the entire world he created from scratch (laughs) that feels entirely thought out in every instance, as far as like what's going on on Pandora. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I've always liked Avatar and I still like Avatar and seeing it this way. It's great. I will note that if people that see that this movie during like, it's like two week, you know, run that it's having right now, there is like a clip of Avatar two inserted at the end, like at the end of the, uh, like the first part of the credits, which is okay. also very cool. Like it's yeah. cool to see new avatars. So. You saw it in 3D? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the reason you want. You go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if I'm going to see it, I might as well see it in 3D. Yeah. Um, a lot of great re releases in the last month. Like mm-hmm. we had Jaws, ET, uh, now Avatar. Yeah, it's been a good time for movies that rock uh, yeah. to be seen in big screens lately. <laughs> so. Good on them. Good on them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's that out, Trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to some trailer talk. We're talking about one of the news movie trailers of the week, when they're coming out, when, when we thought of it, what have you. Uh, this week we're talking Knock at the Cabin. This is the latest film from uh, M. Night Shyamalan. It is based on a book, The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul G. Tremblay. It's not often that Shyamalan does. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Paul Giamatti. <laughs> That would be quite. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, I didn't know he wrote he wrote books too." <laughs> a true Renaissance man. <laughs> it's not often that Shyamalan works kind of outside of his own original material, with some yeah. exceptions. Old last year, mm-hmm. um, uh, Avatar, the other one, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's favorite Avatar. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, but here he is adapting, um, uh, uh, you know, a book for the sake of whatever this movie is, which features. It looks like a family of three, notably two dads, played by Jonathan Groff and I believe Ben Aldridge, um, and their young daughter. Um, and they are at this remote cabin where suddenly a suspicious-looking David Dave Batista approaches, along with others who seem to want to enter said cabin and make this family make some kind of choice that will prevent the apocalypse. Right. I I don't know what to expect going from there. I, I'm gonna because it's based on a book. That means that something has to be out about it. So I mean, I'm gonna be heavily avoiding things involving this movie until it comes out. <laughs> so, with all that said, uh, Saxon, what are your thoughts on the trailer for this movie? All right, so I am super pumped to see this movie. Um, especially after seeing the trailer, I, I'm a bit of a, a Shyamalan apologist. Sure. Um, I mean, obviously, he's made some movies that are are, are pretty rough. Um, but I definitely think that he is kind of on this weird, you know, for lack of a better term, comeback. And I think this is going to be, you know, kind of interesting to see what he, where he pushes from here. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I liked Old um, from last year. Um, I thought Old was, you know, pretty good. And so this looks like it's going to be a completely different level. It looks like it's going to be, I don't know. I'm just very intrigued by this trailer. It looks incredible in terms of like, you know, the cinematography looks great. Uh, I'm always here for Dave Bautista. Um, 
especially in this role, looks like it'll be interesting for him. And I mean, just the concept. And the trailer gives you like just enough that you need to be like, okay, I gotta know what happens next. So I, I'm, I'm very much so looking forward to, uh, to this one. Great. Abe Stupermula, how do you feel about this trailer? <laughs> Uh, I, I I just got cataract surgery. I can't see. You got to drive me to all these things. <laughs> and Stuber, what a fun romp. We like Stuber oh, on this podcast. Yeah. Stuber oh, okay, fans. Stuber. <laughs> yeah, those, those two leads were, were a fun group. Um, I, at first, I was like, I don't like this because you know how I feel about home invasion movies. Yeah. And, and so I was like, I, I don't like this, especially like with, uh, with now there's like a kid involved. But then uh, you see that, you know, there's uh, Dave Bautista and uh, a few other people that he's with. And they've got a really weird, I guess, request conundrum that they have to fall into. So I, I was very intrigued by it. It's a very effective trailer, I will say. Um, but there is a level of um, tension and, I guess, uncertainty that you do feel. I I am curious because you did bring up that Shyamalan did not write this, or he's not the original source material for, yeah, for he, this. He co- he wrote the screen. He co-wrote the screenplay, but yes, he didn't originate the, right. the material. And sometimes those do work in his favor. Um, so I am curious how that's going to play out. So we'll see. I mean, I I have also been on the Dave Bautista train for quite a while as well. Um, and so I'm also curious to see how he's going to be performing in this, which I have no doubt that he's probably going to be pretty good at it. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this movie and I will go see it um, without having to squirm through and peek through my hands. <laughs> well, yeah, Saxon, I think you're in good company here. I think we all like, despite movies that we don't like from him at times, mm-hmm. I think we all tend to root for Shyamalan. Every time he has a movie, we're certainly like, well, I hope it's good. Like, yeah. I, I feel like he's that kind of filmmaker because he's certain, you know, he knocked out so many good ones. <laughs> Like right, yeah. right at the you know towards the beginning there where it's like well I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he at least seems right. like an intriguing and creative filmmaker it's just a yeah. shame that some of them haven't added up in the best of ways that said with this movie i'm looking forward to it for sure like it looks cool i like this cast you got dave batista not even covering up tattoos anymore it's just like yeah i'm just dave batista now. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like, <laughs> short sleeve button up i wear my tiny clothes and i got a bunch of tattoos yeah. um freaking ron ron uh ron is there from harry potter yeah, yeah. Uh, who is great on the Shyamalan produced slash created show Servant on Apple. Uh, he's great on that show. And so I'm like, yeah, bring him in. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> More Grint around, please. <laughs> More uh, Grint. More Grint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but yeah, I'm intrigued. I have no idea where this is going to go exactly. And because I have to be in like hibernation from anything regarding it until it comes out, I, I'm certainly going to hope I'm surprised by what we get <laughs> out of this. Um, but it certainly looks good. I like the, the, the look and feel of this so far from what we're seeing. Um, well, Knock at the Cabin arrives in theaters February 3rd, 2023. So we got a little bit uh, to wait here, but we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's move on there. Let's get to our let's get to our main review for Don't Worry, Darling. Frank has built something truly special. What he's created out here, it's it's a different way. A better way. Victory has things money can't buy. Mm-hmm. I live next door. You wouldn't believe the things I've heard. Jack and Alice only have time for each other. What is the enemy of progress? Chaos. Yeah. Ooh. Nasty word. Chaos. 
The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. I was here when you got here? Yeah. You're sleeping in the bedroom. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling. In 2019, two things happened. Booksmart is released to wide acclaim, and Don't Worry, Darling hits the blacklist. A bidding war and one script rewrite later, and we now have the sophomore effort from director Olivia Wilde. The story concerns a happy couple living in a 1950s company town in California, Victory. Every day, Jack, played by Harry Styles, goes off to work on some mysterious project, while Alice, played by Florence Pugh, stays home and plays housewife. However, some cracks in Alice's seemingly perfect life begin to form, leading her on a path of discovery of whether or not something nefarious is going on. Saxon, obviously this film has had a ton of press concerning behind-the-scenes drama, but if we put that aside from now, what did you think of the film? All right, so um, on its own, I think this movie is perfectly fine. (laughs) I don't really feel super strongly one way or another. I don't think it's quite a disaster. I don't think it's anything close to a masterpiece. Um, I think it is just perfectly okay. Certain things about it really work. Certain things about it really don't work at all. So kind of more mixed bag territory for me, I would say. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, we could, we're going to get, obviously, more into detail, but do you want to expand a little bit on that before I get to, to the oh. uh, thought on it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, like for me, I felt like the movie, you know, it gets off to a a pretty decent start. I think, I think once we're kind of, you know, get past some of the exposition, I get and get more into the mystery. I I got very intrigued. Um, Florence Pugh is of course doing a phenomenal job here as always. Um, and so I really liked, you know, following her character through all this. Um, of course, this movie just looks fantastic. Um, I mean, you got good old uh, Maddie Lee Batik, um, you know, um, as the cinematographer for this. Uh, the movie just looks beautiful. Um, but I feel like so much of the movie could be boiled down to the scene where she is cracking the egg with her hand, as we have all seen in the trailers. Um, and there's nothing there, you know, no yolk. Because I think while this movie has some good ideas, while it does explore some interesting concepts, I feel like it is not—it is both not quite as deep as it could have been, and it also just doesn't fully live up to what it could have, I feel like, sure. despite mm-hmm. certain elements of it working in places. But I feel like more often than not, it just doesn't quite reach the heights it could have, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I hear you for sure. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that, and among other things. But uh, Abe, what are your thoughts on "Don't Worry, Darling"? I'm kind of in the same boat as Saxon in terms of um, kind of being mixed bag. But specifically, I will say that this movie, uh, on a technical level, really is well done. Right? You have good cinematography, really good set design, production design. Um, really interesting location so whoever location scout is and i know that olivia had said that she really wanted to set in like this really balmy palm springs type of situation um great costume design whatever else too but i think that there's a lot of miscues in the script and there's a lot of miscues in the casting i think there's a lot of miscues in just the way that these themes play out and to be honest you know beyond like the first like 
30 some odd minutes where there's some intrigue, I did feel as though like the second act dragged a bit and that takes me out of the movie. And so I found myself being bored by it too. And even when there's like some third act turns, I was like, well, these aren't very deep either. Like it's not that the themes aren't deep, it's more just like the way that it's being handled and the way that I'm being uh, shown these things. I just didn't feel as though there was like the impact that perhaps these uh, filmmakers wanted. And that's unfortunate because I think that there is some wasted acting talent going on in this, but at the same time, there's just um, a mishmash of ideas. And then, you know, as we'll talk about later, when you merge them with what Olivia Wilde has said in interviews about what she wants this film to be and, and the, the, um, the types of things that she's going for, there seems to be some sort of like disconnect there too uh, on my part in my reading of it. And so it's unfortunate because I don't know if I was really expecting anything from Don't Worry Darling, but I certainly kind of was maybe thinking that there was going to be like uh, perhaps a, a more concentrated uh, sophomore effort. I think it does fall a little bit flat though. So yeah, I mean, I I probably am not really impressed with it but i did think that there were some good things technically yeah i mean you're not gonna find me straying too far from what you guys have said except for the fact that i just i would just call it a bad movie <laughs> i mean i don't i don't think it's good um it's easy to admire the stuff that you know was budgeted for um because yeah you have talented people working behind the camera you have Math matthew libatique it's gonna be a good looking movie you said it in that kind of you know you know location um match it with 50s uh, production design and what have you mm -hmm. it, you know you're you're going to get something worthwhile out of that i just there's just nothing else here um which is a shame because i do think there's plenty of opportunity to do something more as you've alluded to that you know you have a solid cast here yet almost none of them get to really do anything uh you know i think florence Pugh by default because she's a you know 95 percent of the movie um <laughs> sure she's good here she's a good actress but i i wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily even say that it's some kind of phenomenal performance. It's more like, well, she knows how to hold it together. Definitely you know? want to circle back to that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, for a movie like this, I'm not saying it requires some kind of big genre performance, but that's the kind of thing that would stand out to me. Something like that, something like that here where yeah. here is just like, well, yeah, there's, you know, a person that's good at acting, doing good acting, but I wouldn't say that's something that seems stand out to me. Uh, at the same time, Chris Pine has very little to do, but I think he's very effective yeah but again he just doesn't have all there's you know there's not a lot there beyond like well he has this kind of screen presence that works and the mystery about what's going on along with what it connects with with him that's fine but that leads me to my other big complaint is where the movie feels like there's so many things that are set up where i don't need them to be explained like on a chalkboard but it does feel like the stuff that i was most intrigued by didn't get delved into in any way that was interesting whatsoever Every time it kind of set up new ideas or introduced new elements, I, I felt like that's a rabbit hole it could have gone down deeper into, and it just doesn't. And that made it feel very redundant. Like you're saying, on the second act, I felt like, okay, we're just kind of waiting for another shoe to drop as far as giving us some kind of reveal because it's just the same thing over and over again. It's just, yeah, Florence mm -hmm. Pugh feels bad about this. Florence Pugh feels suspicious about that. Okay, what else? What else we got here? <laughs> uh, but then we get to the you know the end of this movie, which feels like a video game, and it's just like okay, so we're just kind of on autopilot. Now. Like there's just a lot presented uh, from a visual standpoint that has 
that feels like the empty eggs that you described, Saxon. Like there's just mm-hmm. nothing really in there. There's obviously themes that it's trying to address uh, regarding, you know, topical elements like believing women, gaslighting, what have you. But again, right. it's pretty surface level and things that are it just, you know, they feel of the moment and relevant, but they don't feel like they add anything to that conversation. So, yeah, like I didn't like the movie because it, <laughs> you know, it, it might look shiny on the surface, but it's, you know, pretty empty underneath. Yeah, I hear you on that front. I mean, again, like I, I, I kind of held back on saying that it was like a bad movie because I, I didn't, I get the technical elements kind of like won me over, which is a, a separate thing altogether. But I will say that you know I want to echo one thing that you said, which was around um, kind of like these these uh, plot points and how they're sort of like getting deeper and darker, and then all of a sudden like it's it has to explain things to you. And I was like, this is kind of not the way that you should <laughs> that an audience would really. I'm, it, it, it treats the audience like it's stupid. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is not a, a great way to reveal things to the audience because like, then it becomes like sort of like this demeaning movie um, of just like, Hey, by the way, like, remember all these themes that we had here, here's what's really happening. And here's how bad things really are. And I was like, this is not a very intriguing, you know, other shoe drop because a, we knew that something was coming. B, it's just like none of this is explained either. And I just didn't feel like it was um, a very uh, noteworthy third act. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, there's like 10 movies I can reference that this movie feels like it's derivative of. And that, you know, it's not. I think she even mentioned wrong. some of it too. Oh, you can. And yeah. I, don't, I don't want to specifically mention No, no, yeah, yeah I know. But Olivia like Wilde has mentioned it. No, I, I hear you. But it's like, you know, the, it, it's not inherently wrong to use other movies as inspiration or their filmmakers we see that every week but you know if you're not it's not adding up to much or it's not doesn't feel special in any way it's like well okay great you had the inspiration but you didn't just do anything with it and that's yeah (laughs) that's a lot of where i fell sort of like thematically the other takeaway and feel free to jump in uh, sex in whenever you want um but the other thematic takeaway that i i sort of thought and to the point about other examples of of uh, art and movies it's not even a. It's not even a movie, but there's like a black ep- Black Mirror episode that's probably way better than this, um, and that's like 55 minutes long or something like that. And so I was yeah. like, you know, there's there's other things that have been done that are much more accomplished than this. And while I guess I can feel some elements of the hope of trying to make something that is um, quite weighty and quite, um, you know, as Aaron you mentioned, of the time. Um, it does fail at those points. And that's where I do have issue with the movie. So I, I will get into that more later. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it, I mean, I'm basically just kind of echoing what y'all are saying, but it's all about just how things are executed in this movie that really rubbed me the wrong way, I guess, the way I'd put it, or at least, you know, just, you know, I just didn't quite gel with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that third act is probably the biggest example of that where, like what they're trying to say, or at least what it seems like they're trying to say is interesting, but it's not particularly deep and it doesn't really, me- it doesn't really um, mesh well with what we're seeing on screen, really. Mm-hmm. It just kind of feels like something they just kind of pulled out and just kind of put there like, hey, this is, you know, something, you know, I don't know. It's well, it's weird because it's like it has two hours to do anything. Yeah, yeah. it's a long movie. And it feels long because of it, but yeah. you have stuff that's there that could have been interesting to look at more instead of just 
more tortures of of of, of yeah. you because you have yeah. like you have chris pine who it's like i don't need like the guy's life story but it's like yeah do something with him like he sees interesting oh yeah you have like his wife played by Gemma chan who has like nothing to do but she like has a moment where she steps up and you're like it would have been great if the movie devoted 10 minutes to this I like think yeah. the question i had there was like what is happening here yeah like, yeah or you are you obviously have you have kiki lane um uh, who kind of initiates things that are you know, not right um, for right. Hughes characters to get involved. And it's like, well, that's a whole different, another element where you have the one black actress in this movie that is being, you know, set in a 1950s company town where it's predominantly white with some exceptions mm-hmm. where, you know, there's a whole different dynamic that you could explore there. And I, you know, I, it, it's saying a little with, it's, it's saying a lot with a little by just having her presence uh, involved but like the movie seems so uninterested in anything else it's like I, I guess it's i guess i'm fine with it not trying to you know delve more into racial politics alongside of everything else it's trying to go after right but it's still like opening up these opportunities to do things and i just yeah. don't get why it doesn't yeah uh, even olivia wilde in this movie maybe one of the most intriguing characters based on what we learn about her mm-hmm. too but late but but we yeah exactly yeah. it just comes in and it's like well, that would have been neat to look into, but nope, we're not doing that either. So it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> part part of my larger problem with this movie is the entire cast. Um, I agree with you that there are some really good casting choices here. Chris Pine being one, here Florence Pugh being another. But I do feel as though a lot of these people are miscast and or not given the direction of what the themes of the movie are, are is are. Which is unfortunate because, well, for one, I just think Harry Styles is just like not a good counterpart to Florence Pugh in this movie uh, on screen. I didn't think he was strong enough to bring some of the emotional things, especially like one scene where where, um, they're having this sort of like dramatic beat in a car. And I was like, this Mm -hmm. is just, she's killing you on the screen, literally. And you're just sitting there saying you're sorry. Um, That's not really helping your effort. And then there's other parts where he just, has to carry some emotional weight and it's just really empty. So I know that his casting was like a little bit late, but I don't think that he uh, has enough there. I will say, let's, let's, let's talk about it real quick because obviously he's a major factor in all of this. And I, you know, like he, you know, not everybody transfers from, you know, you know, the music scene to, you know, the theater to movies all that well, but even television to movies, you know, whatever it's, you know, like clearly he has something as he's, you know, conducting arenas as, as far as using his natural charisma or whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. this is a role that seems to require that to some degree as far as just being a guy that's likable uh, with something underneath the surface. But so I don't know if it's like just a lack of experience or just the writing of the character or the direction yeah. of the character. I don't know which one to like pinpoint on why it's not, you know, the Agreed. best here. Yeah. So like, I think like the jury remains out for me as far as Harry Styles actor, but as far as his presence in this movie, I agree with you. Like it's not effective in the way it needs to be. I feel like if Jack was an effective counterpoint to Alice, this could be a better movie. Like, easily. Like it, it, Because if there he was shares something... like 60% mm-hmm. of the time on the screen with her. Yeah, and there's yeah. It would offer the film like a you know a different sort of dynamic. It would offer it more weight. It would offer yeah. anything to like help propel this story along because right. it's such a two-hander for the most part. Yeah. But because there's a lot, you know, there's a weak spot there. Again, regardless of if Harry Styles is a good actor or not, it just it does not serve this movie. Yeah, I, I do want to get back to but sex, and you're going to say something. Oh yeah, I was just going to say, kind of going off that, talking about the dynamic between Harry and uh, Florence. 
Um, I personally was much more intrigued by the dynamic between Lawrence Pugh and Chris Pine's characters. Sure. Mm-hmm. Especially like, you know, like kind of middle to, you know, end of the second act. You know, they get these really great scenes together. And I'm just, it, it's kind of, again, where was this? Where is this? You know, why don't we get more of this? <clears throat> I just feel like the film doesn't really quite know what to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the performances, you know, is a perfect example of that we have so many fascinating characters and so many, you know, actors who are talented in their own right. Um, but we don't really get the chance to really do much with them. Yeah. It's just kind of a question of why. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that you mentioned that both of you guys just mentioned there, the psychological aspect, there has to be this weird duality to the Jack character in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you just don't see it on the screen. And that's where oh. I'm just like, this is not really helping the movie. And I'm not trying to be like crazy hard about like, well, you know, uh, you guys, I would have done it this way, that way. Aaron and I have freely admitted that making movies is very hard. But because there is not that duality there when there kind of needs to be, Mm -hmm. there's just zero tension in between these scenes where there's there's this um, emotional either upbeat or downbeat that's happening on the screen. So it really doesn't help out. I, I wanted to mention just very briefly around the rest of the cast, like Nick Kroll and Kate Berlant are the only two people that I think are really getting the vibe of this world that we're living in. And everybody else is like a weird mishmash of like, I'm playing this really dramatically. Aaron, you mentioned like being a genre movie or or trying to be a genre movie or Mm -hmm. or taking inspiration from it. Yeah. That's where Nick Kroll and Kate Berlant are, are just like, yeah, I feel like they're like, something's off about them. But they also like enjoy this 50s lifestyle. But something is like weird, like she's pregnant all the time. Nick Kroll is always yeah. like laughing and whatever else. Like it's it's really like a really jarring thing to have them be there. And then Gemma Chan's being like ultra serious. Chris Pine just having like zero to do, but being great at it. Yeah. And then like you mentioned, Olivia Wilde, like just sometimes you have something going on, sometimes you don't. And then my my other gripe with Florence Pugh, she's great in all of her scenes. But is this a Florence Pugh type of like driven vehicle where she can really showcase that um, she's a better actress than like the script? Not really. Like she's killing it, but I don't know if this movie is like something that I was expecting like Florence Pugh to be like, this is going to be like one of my things that I really, really champion. And we'll get to more of that later, but I'm curious what you guys feel about the other cast. I mean, I'm completely with you on Nick Kroll and Kate Berlant. Excuse me. Um, like, I was really, I felt like they are really tapped in, especially Kate Berlant. I thought she was fantastic um, in all of her scenes. I mean, she's not really given too much to do besides, you know, you know, just kind of being there, being pregnant. But, like, the energy she brings is just so fascinating, and it kind of does kind of add to that kind of almost like something is not fully right here. Uh, like, you kind of get that, like, early on from, like, her and from Nick Kroll um especially but like as opposed to like as far as like the other cats it feels like they're just kind of squandered um like jimmy chan you know it's just like she doesn't really get anything until the third act and even that moment just kind of feels just sudden and doesn't really have too much to really prop it up i haven't really got to comment too much on on harry styles but i mean like he just i i it, it's kind of like what you were saying um, aaron that, like it's hard to really pinpoint what it is with him, but it just doesn't add up in, mm-hmm. in the context of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 
and I like I don't have much data about the cast because they just mostly fade in the background for me. Like yeah. there, there <laughs> yeah. are people I recognize and it's like, oh, that's okay, they're there. But yeah. I can't say anyone like stuck out in a way where it's like, why was the movie focused on that? Like I just don't Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't think that it really needed that either. But for I think sure. there are no. like a lot of turns in the third act where I was like, this is kind of confusing, and then maybe it's one way or another way. And, and you know, and in any case, I think that your point about Kiki Lane is also well deserved too. Of just mm-hmm. she has to play a person who is um, very questioning of the environments in which they're set up in. And it's kind of just like not really uh, it doesn't make you feel uneasy at all because you already know that the, there's something weird going on with the trailers or what have you. And so I just like, I don't know, there, there's just um, not a whole lot devoted there. But I do want to get to some of the um, the themes of this before we get to like some other things too, Aaron. Sure. Um, I think one of the themes that obviously are here or, or there's a lot of themes here, but I think that Olivia Wilde has said in uh, interviews and whatever else that she wanted this to be sort of like, you know, Aaron, as you mentioned here in the, in the notes here, it's like it's during the Time's Up movement. And she's kind of um, mentioning that she wanted to make a movie that is about progressing women forward um, and not really having them being put back in like the 50s and 60s, which is actually more apropos right now um, than it is when they picked it up in like 2019 or whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird for me to to feel this because I think that the themes are there and you've talked about them off the movie screen, but when I'm watching this movie, they're also not very strong. Well, it's not deeply probing into it for sure. And even if it's not doing that, like <laughs> make the movie around it more exciting. But it, yeah. but 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 and it which it just isn't for me at least. But like in terms of like yeah addressing these themes i cool like i respect the idea of doing something that represents that but like you know have a script have a script that caters towards these ideas in a more interesting or you know non-superficial way like mm-hmm. there's so much especially once we like learn about exactly what's going on there's some stuff there that could certainly be like you know <laughs> trying to like dance around things um right. there's certainly a way to approach hey this person was very much like this and then this happened and make that matter and mm-hmm. i don't think it, it it like just left me more questioning wait why did all this happen? how like it made me question the mechanics of this more than questioning like the implications involved in it mm-hmm. yeah i certainly felt that way too and again there's there's some jarring visuals that happen and you're just like i don't I get what you're saying here, but you're not spending enough time with it. And because you're not spending enough time with it, it feels as though it's kind of a mess of a movie. It's like, what do you want me to focus on here? You know, do you want me to focus on just how well you set up this uh, this beautiful neighborhood in Palm Springs? Or do you want me to focus on some other uglier aspects of this? And like, even I, I think that you guys both mentioned this, but there's just a lot of like over the head beating of, yeah. of these things, whether it's like a saran wrap scene, or I guess, plastic wrap because you know we're, we're not licensed to use a name <laughs> or plastic wrap scene and um driving it through the desert or um these eggs or being crushed by a, a moving wall or what have you uh, some of these are very interesting elements of it uh, and cool scene or images but don't really amount to anything 
So thematically, I get that the patriarchy is bad, um, and you kind of go through it, but you're also you're also going through like a few thin strands of the patriarchy, which I don't think really serve the movie that well because you know the patriarchy is terrible. But at the same time, um, you know, I hope that we get into some spoiler territory because there's like one through line where I was like, well, let's get let's get this. I mean, we're just dancing around. Yeah. There. Let's get into spoiler territory. Let's, uh, you know, give okay. a you know, to list to the listener. We're going to you know, get into more spoiler focused things regarding this movie. So now if you haven't if you haven't seen Don't Worry, Darling, yet or you care that much about like whether or not you learn some of the more in, you know, uh, revealing details of the film uh, at this point, this is the place where you're going to learn more about that. Yeah. And if you don't want to listen to it, skip forward to the next timestamp. Well, you, um, you skip forward if you want to, or you just pause it, go see the movie, or do whatever you need that. to do. Then you listen, co- then... listen to us as you're watching the movie. No, no, then you, you have it on pause and ha- open no other apps on your phone or anything, so it doesn't get lost. So you don't have to like reopen the thing yeah. and be like, "Where was I in this?" It's Keep already the cached there. Yeah. Keep it cached right there, exactly. <laughs> then immediately after, right away, like the second you take a step on the ground after, because I assume you're apparently too small to like reach the floor. Oh no, I was thinking that they're watching this on an airplane. <laughs> Yeah, any number of play. I assume they're like a, a theater with high chairs for some reason. Um, <laughs> so, the sure put, so the second you put your foot on the ground, you put yeah. that headphone back in, you immediately press play on the podcast. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, that's how it should be done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now we're in full-blown spoiler territory. Essentially what happens is that Florence Pugh is a part of a, a program that has been created by uh, Chris Pine, who is some sort of software engineer. And her boyfriend in the 2020s, currently present day, is Harry Styles, who is like this somewhat loser of a guy. Yeah. He's and an uglier like, Harry Styles. An yeah. uglier yeah. Harry yeah. Styles with like, you know, glasses and like a goatee and like long hair. And she's like this surgeon. And essentially what happens is that he feels as though he's being rebuffed from sexual advances and whatever else. So he in, in essentially enslaves her, kidnaps her, into this computer program where she's constantly under the spell of under the guise of like this this um what what is the Facebook thing? The metaverse. Metaverse. The metaverse. Yeah, where she's basically <laughs> living in the metaverse just all the time, and so along with these, many others. So there's all along these with other many ones others. that are all in the <laughs> same scenario. Right. Most of them, all of them, are unaware of this, with the exception of Olivia Wilde's character, apparently. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so I I. When we got to that point in the movie, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, it wasn't aliens. Um, but at the same time... Did you have any thoughts on where it was going in that yeah, regard? Yeah, I sort of... I, my my original inclination was um, it was a simulation maybe created by aliens. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, I'll the signal. Um, but then I also was thinking to myself, oh, well, it's probably also... Um, uh, what should I call it? Like... Uh, in, I think I I did at one point think it was computer simulation like just like like a, a um what's that 80s movie with uh with Cyclops Cyclops uh, director Steven Spielberg Ready Player One uh, oh or, like Ready well, Player said One 80s movie like what? yeah no, I, I was set in the <laughs> set, 80s inspired 80s inspired yeah but I that so I did think about that but ultimately My, I, think, I I was at yeah. like it's probably present day that was the only thing I had yeah you definitely had that I had the but then I was I mean, the solution was frankly a lot dumber than I expected. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah. it, like in theory, it looks cool. I guess, like, oh yeah, they have things on their eyes to put them in it. But it's like, how the hell does this work? Like, what? I know. I don't. I'm, I don't I'm understand yeah. any of this as far as like the logics of. Uh, yeah, Saxon. What did you think? Did you have well, any explanation? 
Well, like I was thinking, um, at one point I was thinking it was going to be a computer simulation, not necessarily yeah. in the way that we end up getting it. Um, but like my big thing is I thought it was going to be just straight up like, you know, in that Shyamalan village, yeah, like, like brainwash him, put him somewhere else or something. That's like, also they were some random place, and like what she saw, like you know, whenever she goes up to the headquarters, you know, earlier on in the movie, she's seeing something like more modern that she just can't, you know, quite yeah. place. And so, like that was kind of what what it was, right? Um, but I was like, there's got to be more than just that, yeah. And so it was just kind of a matter of figuring that out. But I thought it was going to be that it was the present day all along, and then, right. you know, they were just in some society out in the desert basically. yeah um, i think thematically what happens here is that it's about incel culture apparently yeah yeah and i was like this is a very thin margin of what the patriarchy is and yeah. this is also like a thin margin of like even how machismo males think about themselves versus like this this incel culture so i was like this is clearly written by somebody who like doesn't either understand what incel culture is or like read about it and was like we should use this and like this is kind of offensive to some degree but also well, like I this mean, is really lame especially because you like why i mean if it's optional what it's like what why do you even have like an indian character and a you know a black character like i don't even like it just yeah. it's so weird to me to be like let's make it like a weirdly inclusive incel <laughs> culture <laughs> for the yeah. sake of like for you know like a weird level of like progressiveness within this 50s community it's like why would like that feels like a weird way to appease the audience is watching the trailer being yeah. like well it's not all white people but then it's like well it doesn't make sense of the logic of the movie like yeah. <laughs> it really does not especially like given like everything else that's set up there um mm -hmm. like all the all the men in red suits and what or red jumpsuits and whatever else like it's all like, like it a bunch of like white a way guys it feels like a way to like how do we avoid people saying it's just a movie about white people? Uh, it's like, well, we'll do this. But it's like, well, what about the screenplay? Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. like, like, <laughs> right. And so that thematically was just like, I, it turns into a sci-fi uh, thriller. And I was like, this doesn't work because you don't give me time in the modern world to feel as though um, there's like this weird dystopian male takeover. And then, like what Aaron mentioned earlier, it's like all of a sudden, and I'm sure that you felt the same way, Saxon. Olivia Wilde is in on this, and so it's like it's not actually just males. So it becomes like a really a weird, like shade of like, well, you know, there's both male incels and female incels, but we're not going to explore the female side because this is about the patriarchy taking over mm -hmm. all the females. Like, what is happening here? So, <laughs> so here, like among the things that are going on in this movie as far as like uh, inspirations and references or what have you like it, it it to me it felt like wild was very like, intrigued by what jordan peele's been doing in his movies sure mm -hmm. um the thing with and i can look at specifically us in this regard the thing about us a movie that i really like yeah mm -hmm. is that i get that that movie could cause a lot of confusion or just make you question like how things work based on what we're seeing in the film but I'm also convinced that if Jordan Peele wanted to lay out exactly how everything works, he could do that. It feels like right. he understands the internal works of everything going on with like the underground world and everything. I, I feel like a problem with this movie, with Don't Worry Darling, is that I don't think they could explain to you how this world works. And I think that while it's while it's not, you know, that doesn't necessarily directly uh, show you that the film's a problem, I do think that in your mind you can you can realize that as you're really revealing things and being wondering like how things work it, it doesn't feel like 
I don't feel like there's the confidence in the movie to explain to you how all these things factor in in a way that makes any kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that hurts the movie. I, I think by having this kind of like, you know, ambiguous idea of, yeah, he assembled people and made a program and whatnot. And that's all the thought we really put into it. That hurts the film ultimately because mm-hmm. I'm left with so many questions, which it's fine to have. I think it's fine to have questions about a film, but when you're trying to accomplish something like you're mentioning, Abe, as far as like, rel- rel- you know, relating themes and exploring areas such as that, that, you know, provide some kind of meat to the story and what you're trying to like take out of it. If, if you're pushed too far the other direction, as far as questioning other things, you don't come up successful in anything. Cause for one yes. thing, you don't have answers to those questions. Yeah. And on the other side, you don't have, anything to hang on to as far as what you learned from all of this yeah i, I definitely agree with you there because there is a lot of and this is i'd love to get get into um sort of like all the the brouhaha i guess later uh, but mm-hmm. i think that there's a lot of like uh puff chest talking about this movie from olivia wilde and all of the interviews that she's given about how this is supposed to be empowering of women and how we shouldn't be seen as um, all like uh, beings that should be subjected to this or that. It's like, this is all well and good. And I agree with a lot of it, but again, your movie does not show me any of it, which is unfortunate because, you know, again, she has mentioned things like I, I took influence from like the matrix and I took influence from like inception. And I was like, these are, you know, Aaron, to your point about Jordan Peele, you know, there's a difference between Jordan Peele and it's it's actually very apropos that we also talked about M. Night Shyamalan for the trailer mm-hmm. because there's a difference in those two filmmakers in the way that they do things. One of them is a little bit more like nuanced in the way that they will build and ratchet up tension and keep it going. They actually both do that, but then one of them has like a funny reveal versus the other one. Actually, they're both kind of funny reveals. <laughs> but, you know, I guess that Peele has a more um, layered nuance because well, he's making like, social th- thrillers where Shyamalan right, exactly. stuff is, isn't really addressing societal society yeah, the, the, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a thematic way necessarily. Right. It's more of like a general theme or something. Yeah. Like the, the environment's coming after us or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Or or like, you know, don't be mean to the 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 plants because they, they give us the nutrients that we need to survive. But, but with all <laughs> the things said. Al- always uh, talk to your therapist uh, thoroughly and, you know, don't shoot them. <laughs> or, you know, don't believe that your grandma is your grandma. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> You know, regular everyday themes. Regular everyday you know? things, you know, yeah. <laughs> but with all the being said, I think there's like a Shyamalan-esque element to this where it just you, there's a plot twist and the plot twist fails. And you're just like, yeah, I mean, you know, you set yourself up for a lot of these things and it didn't work out because I think that there's just not a huge level of execution on it. And that it is unfortunate on Olivia Wilde's part because everything, again, everything you're talking about makes sense. It's great. These, uh, these, um, correlations or these these sources that you're drawing from are also very profound thoughtful things but there is a level of you know difference to these things and it's not something that i think you can accomplish if you're not really super in on how you um, either direct and or how you want your your picture to actually show up like i think this could have been you there could have been some editing with this movie too and as a director you should be like this is this is too long or whatever the case is like, you know, I, I know that sometimes directors clash with their editors, but there certainly is like a lot of like on the director's shoulders here, which is unfortunate. I, I want to get to 
behind the scenes stuff yeah. a bit. I, and and Sax, I want to hear your thoughts on in that regard. But real quick, before I forget it again, what did you guys think of Harry Styles' dance? <laughs> this is uh, go ahead, Sexy. Um, no, you go ahead. <laughs> I was yeah, my my this is supposed to be an uncomfortable moment. Sure. And it's not because no. I was like, Harry Styles is actually a really good dancer, which we know, but I was just thinking to myself, like, he has the facial expressions of somebody who's unsure of what's happening, but it just doesn't have it. And it actually could have used like a little bit less Harry Styles, the performer dancing. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more of like I'm a caricature and or like a, a puppet on a marionette string type of thing. And so like the dance is actually like really good. I was like, these are some really good dance moves. And the trailer really sells <laughs> yeah. me on like, oh, there's some dancing in here, like you know, big band type stuff. Yeah. But it's supposed to be like an uncomfortable moment. And I don't and this goes to like our point earlier of like he just doesn't, he's not able to sell that he there's like a duality to him. Like he's a loser and yet here he is like you know as like the coolest guy in this metaverse and you know he dances so well i guess yeah i mean for me like i i'm I'm with you pretty much almost completely um like that's a suppose i feel like that's supposed to be a moment where that character is almost supposed to be humiliated Uh uh-huh like he's supposed to be just kind of like embarrassed it's kind of almost like uh we i mean he's being initiated basically um into this higher level and um you know it's just you know harry styles just i feel like is going too much into that you know you know that kind of pop star side of him you know the performer um that it just doesn't quite add up and you're just kind of watching it's like yeah he's pretty good you know good good for him well again because it's and that's another area where i'm like i'm so confused by all of it because it's like it feels like this is a scene that's supposed to like hammer in something and Mm -hmm. i don't know what it's hammering but it's and it's also yeah he's dancing well but it's like well is i i don't know whose fault this is like well it's you know they shot this like if they wanted a mm-hmm. difference the director should tell him do this differently so i don't right. know what the bad thing mm-hmm. is supposed to like what yeah. i don't know what this is that's why i want to ask about it because i'm just frankly confused by the sequence like yeah. I, I i mean they shot it and he dances well and yeah. i learned nothing from it i don't yeah. know what this is yeah. it's just a weird <laughs> I mean, like, like two minute beat in the movie that just happens it is and the thing that sort of hurts it is you cut to Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh talking. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's not like a laughable moment, but it's just more of like, oh, there's like some serious dark stuff going on. But then all of a sudden, like, you know, there's nothing there either. Because I guess as a as an audience member or you're supposed to feel like, oh, I'm just losing it and everybody's and nobody believes me. And so but then you have like this dance monkey dance sequence as well. That's, um, you know, the uh, the opposite of what she's feeling and yet here we are just like ever confused but yeah anyway so to get to the the, the stuff here and I, yes. I don't need we don't need to go over the gossip things or like no, spitting no, 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 no. and uh, like that stuff i don't care about like, gate, this, yeah I, I'm, I'm curious i'm more curious about obviously the behind the scenes drama as far as people fighting with each other specifically pew and wild fighting with each other mm-hmm. And like, what kind of effect that could have had on the movie and so i'm curious Saxon, do, you, do you feel like this is a movie that feels compromised in some way based off the things we've heard about the production i mean i certainly think that you can make the argument for that it does not come across as blatant to me personally Mm -hmm. but i do think that certain aspects of it like i i could see how mainly just in the sense that you know the direction can be a little unfocused but i also feel like that's more of a problem with the script than the direction Uh Mm uh-huh 
So I think that there's definitely the possibility, but I don't think it's quite as like, you know, apparent when you're watching the movie that like, oh, this is obviously, you know, because there was so much clashing between Wild and Pew and other people on set and stuff. Right. So I would say you could definitely make the argument, but I don't think it's necessarily as strong as I was expecting it to be, you know? I agree with you, and I generally agree with that. Uh, when I watch movies that supposedly had, you know, varying forms of behind the scenes drama, it feels like the movie that came out is the movie that came out. Like it's rare. It's not like it's not like you're watching a take on screen where someone like has an angry face and turns to the camera and has a happy face all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to like. That's a continuity up. error. <laughs> and, it, and it's not like there aren't plenty of you know, you know, movies that were made under the perfect circumstances. Everybody was happy with each other. That suck. Like though, it's yeah. you know, it's it's hard to be like this directly caused the movie to be bad. You know, the, yeah. the, having you know challenging people on set or what have you, that can lead to a lot of interesting collaborations that result in a good film. But yeah, so like yeah, I I know there's so much drummed up thoughts on, as far as <laughs> what happened exactly during the make of this movie, but I, you know I I am curious if like that's a a thought that's going through the I mean it seems to be going through the minds of a lot of people as far as how they're regarding <laughs> it, but in terms of like the final product, Abe, do you have a any uh, thought on in? take on that my, my take on it is that yes we we all are fully aware of everything that happened you know during venice and also all the stories and even just as late as like this weekend like this this past week kind of thing we we read the variety or, or we we all heard of the variety article where i guess there was like a screaming match on set and whatever else mm-hmm. that does i agree with you both that that does feel like it could have affected some of these sequences and scenes because it just feels jumbly from a directorial standpoint. I agree with you that there's actually a script problem too um, about just how they're giving things maybe more screen time than, than what they needed to. But overall, like I'm also on the same boat as Aaron where it's like, you know, this happens all the time. Like this mm-hmm. happens on every yeah. movie set. This happens like, you know, we famously heard of Christian Bale ranting at the director of photography or whatever else or the gaffer guy um and is a, you know, is a photographer yeah. a photographer for for terminus salvation yeah. that movie still came out you know and and everyone loved it and yeah. they made several sequels <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it, 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 it spawned two more sequels everybody yeah. can name every single thing that happened in terminator salvation yes. remember all the characters right right but i mean like there's there's always disagreements and there's always disputes on set in some scenes, I, I don't like, I, I can't really pinpoint them, but it certainly felt as though there was like tension, of course. But that's where a director really needs to like have direction over their own movie, right? Of just like, hey man, like in this scene, like, do you like, you got to focus on the work or whatever the case is. But it doesn't like, it didn't affect my overall viewing of this movie because, you know, you have to take these things sort of like as separate items, even though they're in the same boat. Um, and I, I don't think ultimately like all of the, uh, negative press shows up on the screen, but it, and my question to you guys is like, did this affect the box office? Um, my contention is that it actually probably just drove people to the box office to yeah. see this. Yeah, I agree. It, it very much is a, it's the kind of thing where no press, you know, no, no, um, no, no press, bad press is bad press yeah. where, yeah. I mean, short of someone you know, doing something incredibly heinous 
like you know murder or something like that. i mean right. there's not a thing like that that's going to be like well now i'm not seeing this movie that would instead right. yes inspire people to go and see the movie maybe not in droves i don't think people were like no. oh the, the, these two people fought therefore i'm definitely seeing this and bringing 50 friends this weekend yeah. uh but i don't think it negatively harms the box office to be like ah right. too much drama on this one time to skip the theater <laughs> right yeah yeah, if anything, they probably just drove people that were on the fence to go see it. Yeah, they're like, well, I'm going to see what this is all about. Right. So it is a weird thing to have happened and have come out and have so much of it come out. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I, I I do think that the film has a lot of, like, pasting over it to make it look better than it actually is. And I mean that with what we all talked about. The cinematography looks great. The production design is great. There's a lot of like needle drops in the first 10 minutes of this movie that I think covers up a lot of like the bad acting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that actually is a service to, I guess, your ears, but also maybe a discredit because it also just, I, I don't like when movies just constantly needle drop you to make you feel like you're in a specific time frame and then they just keep beating you over the head with it. Right. Um, but Do with you- all that being said, I think mm-hmm. there's like a lot of like un there's a lot of like uneven surfaces in this movie for sure. A lot of flaws for sure, but it gets covered up. And because it gets covered up and then as a whole, you're just watching, you're like, like, you know, Saxon to your point. It's like, I'm, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. And then Aaron to your point, it's like, it, it is a bad movie, but also there's like some things you can draw from it in uh, from the technical side. I'll just note that in regards to the box office, Bill did open at number one to uh, what, like 20 or was it like 19 million this weekend? Something like okay. that. Yeah, 19.2 million this weekend, um, which, you know, that's solid. That is a solid release for a moderately budgeted studio right. film like this. Um, friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, of course, writes at length about box office, and he noted that the kind of the legs on this thing don't look very inspiring. That was pretty front loaded. So we'll, you know, kind of see where it ends up. Yeah. Uh, it's annoying to be like, you know, I want to champion an original small movie, you know, made under certain circumstances with certain filmmakers involved because we don't get so many of those these days. Mm-hmm. It's annoying when, you know, you get that and it's admirable for the, you know, basically for making a movie, which, you know, <laughs> is, is commonplace, but because we have so, you know, it's, the box office isn't typified by these kinds of movies anymore. And yet the movie's bad. Like, so it's like, at least from my yeah. perspective, it's like, ah, it's a, like, <laughs> yes, people should see original, see the woman King, see these, like see movies like this that right. are, you know, you don't get to get very often, but at the same time, it's like, well, I want to champion the good ones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is unfortunate. Well, we've talked a lot about don't worry, darling. Any final thoughts on, uh, on this movie, anything we didn't cover that you want to bring up? Um, yeah uh there just one element of it which is the score i forget who makes the score but there was like some really cool like it's voice. Uh, powell i believe yeah, yeah john powell john yeah. powell yeah like really cool like voice score you know like mm-hmm. using choir whatever the case is it does get repetitive but it actually is like a cool effective use of like i, I like when people are thinking out of the box and not using like just instruments all the time yeah no i, I agree yeah. I, I i thought the music was I, I like John Powell as a composer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was happy to see his name pop up in the credits. I was like, oh, that's John Powell. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Saxon, the way we do things here when we wrap up our reviews is we ask, when should people go and see this movie? When should they go out and see Don't Worry, Darling? Could be in a theater setting. Could be in at home. Um, a lot of different levels here. Okay. So, so when would you say people should see this movie? I would say unless you are just, you know, a, a big Harry Styles fan <laughs> or, um, you know, you're just 
curious by you know all the drama around it i'd say you can definitely wait till home for this one mm-hmm. um I, I i mean certain moments might look great i mean certain moments do look good on the big screen but i would say just in general for the film as a whole you could definitely wait until home all right babe yeah i was actually gonna say this is like a regular like streaming movie like not even premium yeah. streaming like this is just regular streaming like you should just watch this so you can do laundry in the background mm-hmm yeah, that seems fair. When it hits HBO Max, since the new line production, um, mm-hmm. that uh, makes a level of sense to me. So yeah. there you go. All right. So we talked about "Don't Worry, Darling" at length there. Let's um, let's. Uh, what time is it here? What what? what time Aaron it Saxon, it's time for a quick game. Whoa! Little known fact: that's actually the sound the sound that get gets played when <laughs> that's actually the sound that gets played when Florence Pugh presses her face against the glass. You got all that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've, got a, yeah I've got a game for you guys this week. It's called Top Four. This okay. is where I will ask uh, you both, I guess, in some order, um, what the IMDb top four movies, TV items that are listed for somebody in the cast of don't worry darling so if you don't know imdb has four titles uh on anybody's given page and that are like pinned to the top yeah that are pinned to the top and sometimes they're just like video games sometimes they're television episodes sometimes they're movies uh so i will go through and ask you guys this um the scoring goes as you have to guess all four at once and then you can get the number of points the maximum number of points you can get is four but if you don't get one somebody can steal uh if they get it right so complicated but works out lazarus you're a guest i'm lazarus lazarus, um, Saxon, lazarus. you are a guest uh you get to go first all right what do you think is in the top floor of our main star florence Pugh? All right, the top four for Florence Pugh. All right, and I've got to guess all four right off the bat, yeah? Yeah, yeah. all four right off the bat. Okay, all right. So um, I'm thinking that the top four for Florence Pugh, it's got to be Midsummer. Okay. Little Women. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess from there Lady Macbeth. Okay. And Black Widow. Okay. You got three out of four. Mm. Midsummer, Little Women, and Black Widow. Uh, Lady Macbeth is not on there. Aaron, one point for the steal. Um, let's think here. What's not used? Um, God, it's going to be some like Marvel cameo. Uh, <laughs> what would it be if it's not it's those? It could be. <laughs> Damn. But I can't give you that answer. I'll just I'll say Outlaw King. No, 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 no. Fighting with my family. I forgot about that one. Yes, that's right. Fighting with my family. The WWE movie with The Rock. Yeah. Which is actually not a bad movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one here. Our other lead, Aaron, you get to go first. Harry Styles. (laughs) Okay. Um Dunkirk. Okay. This, don't worry, darling. Okay. Um. Uh, Eternals. Okay. And 
God. I mean, I, I'm sure there was like a One Direction concert movie, but would that be in the top? <laughs> if I'm gonna... you said One Direction concert movie, I might accept that. <laughs> that, that assumes that it's correct. Um, so I will say Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's an interesting guess. I like that you went TV there. You got two of them, mm. Dunkirk and Eternals. Oh, okay, not this movie. <laughs> not this movie. <laughs> All right. So that's right. a clue for you, Saxon. What do you think are the remaining two? And All right. I will, uh, again, mention that it is a, a breadth of different options here, not just movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to assume that one of them is the One Direction concert movie. I want to say it's called like One Direction, like This Is Us or something like that. Uh-huh. Not to be confused with the um, television show the same name. <laughs> um, the other one, I have absolutely no idea what it could be, so I'm just going to say the Grammys. That's actually a great guess. <laughs> you did not get any of them, okay. but the remaining two were Love Simon because he's credited as use, as being uh, on the soundtrack. Okay. Uh, and the other one is a very recent Harry Styles music video called As It Was. No, oh, okay. So, so it's just the music video for a song. One. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tough one. But Saxon, you got to go first uh, in, the, in our next actor here, Chris Pine. Ooh. Chris Pine. Okay. Then I guess Star Trek. Okay. Into the Woods, perhaps. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to guess. Um, Star Trek Beyond. Okay. I don't necessarily want to go three Star Treks, so I will say the last one is um, Hell or High Water. That's a great movie. You got two of them. Okay. Star Trek and Star Trek Beyond. Okay, so I got Star Trek. Yeah, Aaron, <laughs> two others for the steal. I'm annoyed that I want to guess a Star Trek just because, well, <laughs> it's left. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, but does he have three Star Trek movies on his IMD profile? Um, that's tough. So let me think here. There's two I need? Yeah, two. God. He's in some stuff, too. Yeah, he's been in some great stuff. Okay, Wonder Woman. Okay. And not, not 84, Wonder Woman. Just Wonder Woman. Okay. And so he got both Star Treks? That's, that's what was on there yeah. so far? Yeah, okay, so got one... two subjects so far. Okay. Would all three of them be? Um, hmm. Okay, Wonder Woman and Wrinkle in Time. Wow. What a call. Um, you got one point there. It so... is Wonder Woman. You should have gone with the other Star Trek movie. Ah, it's just three Star <laughs> Treks. It's so boring. It is three Star <laughs> Treks and Wonder Woman currently. That's yeah. disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> he needs to get on social media since he's not on there just for just for the sake of odd, odd, you know uh, moderating his uh his own IMDb <laughs> his page. IMDb page. Yeah. <laughs> well, Aaron, you got to go first in the next one here. Nick Kroll. Kroll. Okay. Kroll. Let's see. Probably not ABC's Caveman. No. Um, <laughs> I will tell you no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that one hint. Um, Let's see. What would it be? TV though. God, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna say the league. Okay. Um, let's say sausage party. Okay. 
um adam's family okay and hmm, what is he in that would be like imdb uh, <laughs> big mouth big mouth okay you got two of them oh, all right sausage party and big mouth okay saxon two for the steel all right um, I feel like one of them has to be Sing. Oh, oh, yeah. He voices the 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 German pig, I believe. Yes, uh-huh. yes. The other one, I mean, it's probably not going to be this, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, Kroll Show, his uh, Comedy Central show. That's a good guess. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not either of them. Ah. It was an animated movie. It's Captain Underpants. Oh. And the other one is a 2014 film called Adult Beginners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rose Byrne. Yeah. Yeah. And Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Um, So that's uh, unfortunately a a, a zero for you. However, the score is 6-5 and there's uh, two more people or three more people here. Aaron. Aaron, did you go first on the last one? I did, yeah. Okay. So Saxon, you got to go first. Gemma Chan. All right. This one I'm going to probably struggle with. Uh, I'm going to guess Eternals. Okay. Um, this one, Don't Worry Darling. Okay. What else has she been in? I'm drawing a blank on her. Um... Feel free to skip if you don't know. Yeah, I think I'm going to ha- I think that's all I'm going to really have to say. I cannot think okay. of anything else she's been in. All good. So Eternals and Don't Worry Darling, you got one point there. It is Eternals. Mm-hmm. That Eternals is so popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Harry Styles? What? Uh, Aaron, three for the steal. <clears throat> I will note that now the score is tied 6-6. Okay. Um, I will say Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. Captain Marvel. Okay. Um... Uh, is there a she's in a Fantastic Beasts, right? The first one, right? Fantastic Beasts, where to find <laughs> okay? Those are popular. You got one point, ah. it is Crazy Rich Asians. Uh huh, it was in a television show called Humans on AMC. Oh, yeah, of course, the <laughs> AMC show, yeah, yeah, and an HBO Max. Is it a movie? I think Let it's, Them All Talk. Let Them All Talk. Oh, oh yeah, Soderbergh, the Soderbergh thing got an IMDb, yeah. Like, so. okay, right. <laughs> got that um i specifically said in my mind well that wouldn't count that's so small <laughs> surely the billion dollar grossing captain marvel would be the answer here <laughs> um before we get to our last guy uh olivia wilde is up the director and also uh co-star in this film here um saxon you went first so aaron you gotta go okay um you for directing too i don't know let's see um tron legacy okay um blah. let's see what would be i i i guess book smart okay. <laughs> maybe um uh, cowboys and aliens okay <laughs> and the change up okay all right you got two of them. Okay. Tron Legacy 
and Cowboys and Aliens. Wow, that was the reach. (laughs) (laughs) So, Saxon, for the steal, two points. All right. Um, I'm going to um, make a wild guess and say House. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just got a house. Television is on there, yeah. Yeah. And then for the other one, geez. Um, I'm going to have to skip the other one. I cannot think of what it might be. All good. Is it Richard Jewell? House is not on there. Neither is Richard Jewell. Mm-hmm. It uh, is the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Okay. <laughs> and I slipped up earlier, which is why I had to put her later. It's the Lazarus effect. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's why I called you Lazarus earlier. I was looking at... How is so... it on? How is it on, like, what what, what algorithm would put the Lazarus on there? <laughs> it's a weird algorithm, man. That is a weird yeah. algorithm. Yeah. Our last one here. Uh, Aaron, you have a leading score of 9 to 6 right now. So okay. if Aaron doesn't get any of them, Saxon, you could technically get all four of them and win. Uh, but our last one here, Timothy Simons. Tall man, doctor in this movie, Timothy Simons. I like Timothy Simons. Yeah. Um, He's good in the movie, I think, for what he's supposed to do here. Yeah, he has nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Simons innocent. Um, (laughs) You know who directed the Lazarus Effect, Dave? Wasn't it uh, Mark something? Uh, No, it's David Gelb who directed Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Oh, okay. Number one film of that year. There you go. I forgot. Uh, Who's Mark Duplass? Yeah. Mark Duplass, he's like in it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, Timothy okay. Simons. Timothy Simons. Um. I'm gonna say Veep. Okay. I'm gonna say what's a movie? Um. No, it's the other guy that's in Ghostbusters. The other tall guy. Hmm. <laughs> 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 um, um. How about Inherent Vice? Okay. I don't think it'd be this movie. What, what am I missing? There's some like movies and um Maybe more TV. Don't try to lead me some path that's not <laughs> correct. Uh, let's see. I don't know. The interview. Okay. And um God, I don't even know. Um the, 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 the home alone sequel. So you did get two of them. Okay. Veep and Inherent Vice. Nice. Which does put you uh, mathematically over Saxon. But Saxon, two points are still on the table. All right. Um, I'm going to go with um, Looking for Alaska, the uh, Hulu okay. miniseries. Might be kind of a too much of a deep cut, but who knows. Uh-huh. Um, and then for the other one, I don't know, draft day? I don't know. Draft day is on there. Wow. <laughs> no way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but looking for Alaska is not. Uh-huh. Goosebumps from 2015. Okay. Plays a police officer. I was going to say, is he like a cop? He plays a lot of cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But good pull on draft day. The final tally here is Aaron, you have 11 points. Saxon, you have seven. So, mm-hmm. Aaron, you are this week's winner of games. Well, I'm happy about that because it's great yeah. to be a winner. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but with that said, Saxon, it's all, you know, you, you put up a good challenge. And good when, fight. When, 
yeah. when you get on when you get on the board, that means you get to come back to the show eventually. So you got that going for you. Hey, All right, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a win and that's a win in itself right there. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Abe, that was a good game. Thank you for that game. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, that was awesome. That was great. Okay, so great game. Let's move on now. Let's get some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash out now podcast. We have a number of questions to the listeners and they gave some answers and then they gave us some questions that we could have some answers for. Uh, Saxon, feel free to chime in with any thoughts that you might have on the various questions we go over. But uh, yeah. right, Abe, why don't you get this one started? First question here is, what are some great films dealing with the 50s Americana? Scott writes Pleasantville, American Graffiti, and The Last Picture Show. Chris has Stand By Me and Catch Me If You Can. Lastly, Philip has October Sky and The Iron Giant. 50s Americana. American Graffiti would be my go-to answer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stand by me was my answer. Yeah. My my go-to would be Last Picture Show or um, Iron Giant for sure. So when's the sound is that 60s? I don't know. Sure Maybe seventies? Sixties? It's not seventies. Sixties sounds correct. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, like one step over American graffiti. 62. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay. okay. Would have to be right, but I'm trying to think, like, because he have to be old. He's older by the end, but he can't be that old. Like, right. he's in the 50s, he's 93, he's not 40s. Like, <laughs> give it a thumbs he's gotta up give a from thumbs the radio. Up. <laughs> exactly. Who's this old man? <laughs> An old man in a fishing hat. All right. All right, next question we have here. What's your favorite Chris Pine role? Christopher writes, so unfair to pick just one, but I'll go with Captain Kirk. Hmm. Mark Hoffmeyer, friend of the show, writes, Heller Highwater, dude is so good. Uh, Philip writes, Heller Highwater. Favorite Chris Pine role? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be Jack Jack Ryan Shatter. Shut right? up. <laughs> 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 <That's good. laughs> I, do, I do really like him in Heller Highwater. I mean, that's like a really underseen film. Yeah, Hell or High Water is the first one that comes to mind for me. I do think he's pretty good in um, the Star Trek movies, but mm-hmm. Hell or High Water, I think, just really gives him a good chance to, you know, really stretch. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with this because Hell or High Water is fantastic. I will say, I like I like weird Chris Pine when he does weird stuff. Yes. Uh, so he smoking aces is a lot of fun. Okay. I think he's oh. really good at aces. Is he like wearing uh, like leather pants? He's the yes, among other things. He's the most uncris pine because that's before he you know got anything of, of notes. That was one of his first rules. Yeah, so. Before he came Captain Kirk. Yeah. yeah so uh, no, I, I think he's a lot of fun there. There you go. Um, a nice question here. What's your favorite sophomore effort from a director? Philip has uh, Rob Sitch's The Dish. Alessandro writes James Cameron's Aliens, if I'm not mistaken. I mean. Uh, well, he was t- he was yeah. fired off Piranha Two, so it's, <laughs> so I mean technically Piranha Two. Well, well, no, Terminator would be technically a second movie by that. But I mean, if you if you count Pir- if you don't count Piranha Two, then sure, Aliens is a follow up movie to Terminator. So we're gonna allow it this time. Okay, got it. Um, You're, for, uh, just for Alejandro. Uh, Alessandro. Alessandro, you win this round. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One zero against Aaron. Uh, <laughs> Todd Todd Limonow writes. If we don't count Duel, since it was made for TV, it's got to be Jaws. So he actually puts in his own logic there. That's uh, fair. Okay. All right. And Scott Mendelson uh, writes Pulp Fiction. What do you guys has, uh, have for a good sophomore effort? 
Uh, Raising Arizona comes to mind. That's a fantastic pull. Um, one I thought of was Boogie Nights. Um, there you go. Really like that one. Or uh, Rushmore as well. Rushmore? Yeah. 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 Semper Fi, soldier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I forget what Max says to him afterwards. Like it's like something in Latin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you got anything? Um. The Matrix. I mean, Ooh. what was their first? Bound. Yeah, bound. Bound. I mean, sure. I wasn't answering for you. I was just shouting out what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, next one we have here. What are some great films about reality shattering in some way? Um, Justin has The Matrix, which is why I thought of it because I was looking at it on my screen. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, Eric has Color Out of Space and In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, Chris writes Vivarium. I liked oh. it. And mm. The Beach. Uh, and Philip uh, has uh, Paprika. Yeah, he animated. Mm. Yeah. Reality shattering in some way. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. How literal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I, I like their I like their uh, their call out there of um, the Matrix, I guess. But at the same time, you know, I think that there's some really cool uh, reality shattering in Inception, mm-hmm. uh, Dark City, Truman Show. Yeah, I was about to say Truman Show. Truman Show for sure for me. Yeah, watch that instead of Don't Worry Darling. Yeah. Uh, and in, ca- in a case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good evening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, look, Aaron, no traffic. (laughs) Uh, The next question here is, who is your favorite pop star turned actor? Chris has Ice-T and David Bowie. Philip has Mark Wahlberg. You guys have any favorite pop stars turned actor? I think we should debate pop star and Mark Wahlberg, but sure. I mean, um... (laughs) mean, you can say that for Ice-T. I, I yes I would, but you know <laughs> I, I I'm too intrigued by Ice T and David Billy being collaborators on a project, so <laughs> and it can't happen now, or can it? It can't, with, but it uh, could. Yeah, I was no, like, no, no, it can't. With technology now, maybe. Uh, pop star turned actors. Um, I the person that comes to mind would be like, you know, here here's a poll. Uh, be can be can rewind most deaf. Okay. Yeah. What's his name now? Um, um uh, Yassim Bey. Yassim Bey, yeah. Yeah. But he he was like That's in uh what was that that other space movie with British people? Oh man. <laughs> he typed his guy to the game. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, he's no, not he's like, bad. No, he's, like, not he's, he's 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 quite a lot of things that I think. Chappelle are show? No, he's 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 quite good. Yeah. Um I keep uh, waiting for Timberlake to like further cash in on what he he has talents like yeah. he doesn't even yeah. like better movies i think i think his run is mostly with the kids now yeah um i mean bowie is kind of where my head wants to go um i would hesitate to call this person a pop star but you know as far as just musician turned actor um, I always enjoy it when Tom Waits shows up in a movie. Oh, yes. for sure. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. We just talked about him in uh, uh, what movie was that? Where he's like blowing smoke and he walks through it. Licorice Pizza? Licorice yeah. Pizza, yeah. Like, what a great on screen presence. Just yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Waits is a great answer. That's That works yeah, for sure. Good one. All right. 
Aaron, are you going to answer Barbara Streisand? Uh, share. Do you know who um, my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Sand. 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 <laughs> you like peanut butter sandwiches? Um, <laughs> all right. Next question we have here. Last question we have. What are some films featuring utopias gone wrong? All of them? <laughs> Christopher writes Logan's Run, The Stepford Wives, The Matrix, Equilibrium, The Adjustment Bureau, Minority Report, Higher Learning, The Birds, and The Island. Ooh, what? Philip has Gattaca. Mm. Uh, Chris has Demolition Man and The Truman Show. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does Gattaca go wrong, though? It just feels like that one. one guy's not through. Yeah, like one, one <laughs> yeah. guy who's like the boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he, he made it's it. More, he made it's it out more of... a workplace mismanagement movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the world's crumbling down at the end of Grand Gattaca. <laughs> yeah, he's not leaving to go to Saturn because the world ended. <laughs> So you're yeah, wrong, Philip. Like, we already gave a one one giveaway to Alessandro. So <laughs> <laughs> no more giveaways in games. Uh, Utopia is going wrong. I mean, we just uh, we're talking about a whole bunch of space here. Um, Wally. Yeah. Where's the? I guess what the ship? The ship. Is yeah. The Utopia? yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, All everything's right. fine on the ship. We're gonna go toward a new sh- our, our new planet. By the way, the ship is uh, not really going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, we listed all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's more. But... Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that was not listed. I mean, obviously, Minority Report's a big one for me. Love that's that. not a utopia. That movie, that's that kind of all dystopia. It's yeah, it's dystopia. Not great. <laughs> it's all dirty. It's You're dirty telling movie. me you don't want uh, you know, ads being scanned into your brain? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the answer to that question. How about a uh, Cloud City and Empire? Like everything seems to be working okay. in investment. <laughs> then the Empire shows up, and it's like, ah, Lobot can't like just play the play the hits on his radio That's headphones sad. anymore. He's got to like do all this other stuff of political intrigue involving Darth Vader and Boba Fett now. Mm. <laughs> that is that is pretty sad, actually. One thing like Lando is out there leading his thing. Everybody's cool. Han and Darth Vader show up, and he's like, I guess I can't like wear my rocket space cape now. I gotta, I, like, know. A, I have to join the Rebel Alliance. This wasn't part of my Monday. Also, like, like they live in fucking Cloud City. Exactly. Everything's cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Just don't get drunk and walk too far off the railing. Well, if you have anything, Saxon, feel free to shout it out. But we have we have a question from the listeners this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip asked everybody here today. What do y'all think about the concept of hate watching? Do you think there is something positive about it, or is it entirely detrimental? The concept of hate watching, I guess you'd have to define that a little bit more, too. Hate watching, I mean, I, I would phrase it as like, you know, there's a movie or a series, more specifically, it seems, where you seem to have nothing but animosity towards it. Yeah, like, yeah. you don't seem to find it yourself ever, could, especially when it comes to like the online discourse. Your regard for said movie or said show is purely in the negative or purely snarky or whatnot, but you can't help but watching it free every week it comes on or when it comes out. Yeah. That, that's, that's hate watching. Yeah, I, I get that too. Cause my other take on it was like, is, if it's something that you actively just want to watch and be disgruntled about, then there's not really anything positive to it. You know what I mean? Like, what you're describing there is like, well, I'm watching a series and I don't like it after the first episode, but I guess I'll keep watching it because I'm invested in it. That might be a little bit different. But if you're just going to purely hate watch something and then go make like a Cinema Sins video about it, please yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. I feel like 
if you're just doing this just to, you know, talk about later and just tear it down, I don't think any good can come from that. But if it is just kind of more of a, I don't really care for this, you know, but I'm just going to keep watching anyway, I don't see how that's really harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also not really beneficial in any way either. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. It kind of, it falls into a box for me with like guilty pleasure where it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have movies that are guilty pleasures because if I like the movie, I like it. I'm not going to feel mm-hmm. bad about the things I admire about a movie that's otherwise dismissed or what have you. It's just a movie I like. It just, yeah. but it just like the public perception be, is what it is, but yeah, I'm going to watch it. Or if I hate watching something, it's like, it's it's a lot. I don't have I don't yeah. have time to invest. Yeah, it's, in it's that. a lot of energy. Like, yeah, like if there's something I don't like, I'm just gonna not watch it. But if I'm watching it week after week, I I don't. For me, it's like I'm not certainly not hate watching anything. <laughs> if there's yeah. nothing I'm watching, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is like, why do I keep doing this to myself? Exactly. Woe is me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like if so. If that's woe is me. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, so it's like. It's, you know, you're it's like, you're in control of your own TV remote, man. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> right, yeah. it's, it's a matter of if like you're doing it and you're like, there's nothing coming out of it, like you're not tweeting about it or whatever. It's like, yeah. well, who are you? What what is this for? <laughs> like, what is yeah, exactly. what is, yeah. what is the purpose of this? <laughs> I, the other thing I like is thinking about the entire setup of it, which is like, Aaron, Aaron, come over to my house. I hate this movie. Let's watch it together and just like <laughs> shit on it. Like, <laughs> this is like when you ask somebody to watch something that you really like and they're just like average about it there's like no facial expression and you're just like but it's funny right and it's like you know it's the same thing it's like oh but it's so stupid how a terminator can travel back through time right how is it that that uh john connor's dad is in the future it's like you can't you don't you don't have to do these things man like you know like you can just dislike it and not watch it um and then never see it again like uh my feel about uh, uh don't be afraid of the dark <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's not enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's podcast. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write reviews for weliveentertainment.com, and I have Blu-ray and Criterion reviews over at Wise of Blue. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's four. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, that's not how you make mashed potatoes. <laughs> uh, Saxon Whitehead, where can people find more of you online? All right. So, um... Obviously, you can um, check out my website, drpopcorn.net. I write reviews over new releases, um, try to keep up um, pretty regularly. Beyond that, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Saxon Whitehead. Um, yeah, or on Letterboxd also, Saxon Whitehead. Awesome. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now There Today on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWOD. Feel free to email us at notnotpodcast at gmail.com. Or write on our physical wall, physical.com slash podcast, Or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Instagram page, instagram.com slash underscore podcast as well. Uh, Saxon, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Saxon. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a blast. For nice. sure. Glad to, glad to get you on here. Glad that everything all worked out for us as far as talking about this movie and having a guest and everything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, very much appreciated. Thanks to the listeners for listening. Next week, Next week's kind of crowded. Eh? We have there's bros coming out along with Smile, and, and of course the the greatest beer run ever from the director of Green Book, the Academy Award winner for best <laughs> Academy <picture>. Award winning. <laughs> yeah, so we, I mean we'll we'll figure something out because there's a lot of options going on next week. But that is good for a this lot of stuff there, and I'm definitely sure. not going to watch Smile. You didn't watch those baseball games with the people standing I up know, there? That was actually really clever marketing. <laughs> that is really yeah. nice. I was like, I just is creepy just looking at a screenshot of this. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, that is going to be this episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye.
This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking, don't worry, darling. Hold on, you got to... Nothing's coming to mind. Okay. (laughs) Wait, wait. Wait. Want to do it again? Yeah, hold on. Okay. Let me just think for a second. Sometimes these are hard. (laughs) Man, we are good at this. Uh... (laughs) 